The Money Show. Ad feature with Andy Rice. The brand value report from Kantar. It's just been published, Andy Rice. Um, it's about strong brands, but also the underlying impact of consumer behavior changes as a result of the pandemic. Talk to me about the role of consumers and the value of brands. Well, it do- Hello, Bruce. It doesn't seem like uh, a year since we last had one of these Kantar surveys, but perhaps it was. Uh, what they measure is the intangible or reputational component of a, of a brand's overall value, both intrinsic and extrinsic. And it just shows, as it's designed to do, uh, that the, the, the reputational and, and behavioral side of brands is, is uh, equally important as the, uh, as the claims made functionally for the brands. Um, and a couple of interesting uh, points have come out of uh, this year's study, which is probably the first one which has a full year of, uh, of pandemic activities uh, addressing the, the, the business community. Um, and the top 100 brands uh, between them uh, have increased their value in the last 12 months by no less than 42%, which is an enormous change. Um, four times more um, than the study's annual average percentage increase over the past 15 years. And Kantar have put it down to it being confidence derived from vaccine availability, mm-hmm. okay, economic stimulus packages, and improving GDP outlets. Obviously, it's strongly biased towards the US, but uh, most com- most countries will follow suit, I think. Um, so why why this sudden leap? And it's not just because it's off a low base. It's, uh, it's genuinely um, a fair comparison, like for like, because as I said, this last 12 months has been more or less all within the, within the pandemic, and yet it um, has leapt so much. Well, the theory that, that Kantar are putting forward is that it is precisely because of the change of behavior that uh, the pandemic has forced upon people that the categories that are most obviously affected have grown by leaps and bounds. So it's not a universal 42%, but if you look at where there have been substantial increases, there seems to be a logic linking it back to uh, the changes wrought upon consumer behavior by the pandemic. So just as an example, we see that the um, media, the top 10 media and entertainment brands experienced impressive growth of over 50%. Sure. And uh, that would be because many more people were, were gaming in their spare time or gaming while they should be at work. And um, as a result, the demand and, and the fulfillment of, of that demand has pushed those media companies up um, dramatically in terms of brand value. Then you can see the same thing again in the apparel category, where we find that the nature of the popular apparel has changed because we no longer have to have a cupboard full of suits for going to work. And so there's been a strong shift in purchasing by consumers away from formal and towards informal clothing. And again, that's reflected in the... Uh, the, the, the value of the brands that are aff- affected by that. And so it goes. I won't go through them all, but not unsurprisingly, we see that the online shopping brands have contributed to this great explosion of brand value. The arrival of Zoom, one of the big tech stories of 2021. We see that alcohol maintained its growth through the pandemic, but principally in in the Far East, in, in, in China. 
Um, and and so it goes. And uh, this, this study is, is is an interesting departure from the norm, not just because mm. of its leap in, in absolute value, but also because it's a, it's clearly related to consumer behaviour that is driven by the pandemic. I mean, do they ever look at something like NGO brands, for example? Is it even possible to build a brand in an NGO? And um, we've got Gift of the Givers, for example. They build their brand through doing, and they've got a very positive brand image and a brand value, I'm sure, if somebody bothered to calculate it. But, I mean, is it common to have NGO brands valued? Um, no, not really, because it's hard to see where you would, where you would identify that value. But indeed, um, NGO branding in the current world is a particularly important issue and one that NGOs themselves don't feel that comfortable addressing. They kind of assume that as NGOs, they should be uh, logically um, quite agnostic as far as marketing and, and things like value are concerned. And what the, the problem at the moment for, for um, uh, NGOs in terms of building their brands is kind of oversupply and uh, under demand. It's very difficult to find if you want if one looks at donations and contributions and partnerships um, it's quite difficult for most NGOs to find appropriate funding and, and appropriate partnerships with, with uh, uh, private sector uh, organizations and um, there's this phenomenon called donor fatigue that creeps in um, but if there is one solution that I would encourage NGO managements to look at it would be the role that um, creativity could play in elevating them out of their competitive set. So um, if you look at what advertising agencies tend to like to do, they tend to adopt a, an NGO and, uh, uh, if you like, donate their time, their creativity and their, and their production costs to that NGO because it, it can give them a real opportunity to demonstrate their creativity. So we've seen it even in the Heroes and Zeros. It was only about a year ago that we had um, BirdLife South Africa doing some really nice uh, outdoor hoardings. Um, True, which, I remember now, yes. Remember that? Yeah, well, it was, that was done by a Cape Town agency called Utopia, and it's, it clearly uh, had a beneficial effect on awareness and propensity to support that kind of, of NGO. In fact, as we speak, the next uh, OWL Awards at BirdLife South Africa are taking place. But it's... Um, it's that kind of uh, trophy client that many agencies are looking for. They're given the freedom to do the work they want, but they must be given that freedom within a strategic um, uh, direction so they don't just say, well, I can do anything because it's okay. an NGO. You can't. You've still got to have a strategy, but you may well be prepared to deliver more than you might to a conventional fee-paying client. Talk to me about heroes this week. I just love the hero. The hero is a blend of fabulous brands and a mash of creativity. It is just so unbearably clever. It really is brilliant. Well, we are talking about Adidas, the um, German footwear company, sports footwear company, um, uh, and the partnership that they have struck with, with Lego. Yes, Lego, the... Um, the, the, the brick-based children's toy that's now become something rather more than just that. But sneakers generally, the category of sneakers, has become a kind of new canvas for the visual arts um, and creativity. And uh, a sneaker is no longer just a sneaker. A sneaker is virtually a currency um, 
I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the future they're being traded on the sneakers exchange. It's that kind of People uh, trade sneakers, Andy, in a way that I had my mind blown. We had a producer um, at, at Prime Media who, uh, I mean, used to wear the sneakers all the time but swore they were valuable investments. And I thought after those feet had been to those sneakers, I can't imagine anybody wanted to buy them. But he swore by it. Uh, and, um, you know, he actively traded his sneakers uh, and claimed that he actually, you know, made a profit in the process. But he bought so many blooming pairs, I can't be certain that he did. But he loved the process of, of trading sneakers. There's a huge yeah. cult almost in it. People collect them. They get uh, they appear in auction agendas. The sort of Sotheby's of this world have got some uh, sneakers on their, on their schedule for the next auction, I'm sure. Um and uh, overall, if you look at the kind of uh, prices that they change hands for, it's, it's tens of thousands of US dollars for the absolutely really rare and, and iconic ones. Well, it was an iconic sneaker some time ago when, um, within the last couple of years, when Adidas and Lego first struck up a partnership. And Adidas had, um, they designed some shoes, some sneakers, which echoed the building block profile of the Lego toys. And it, would be, it became, uh, it, was, it was called the um, Superstar Sneaker, and um, it has become, they say, legendary. Well, now, if that was a twist on the conventional sneaker, we now have a twist on the twist, because Adidas have now um, launched an updated version of the uh, original LEGO Superstar Sneaker, and they've done it, um, not just as a conventional sneaker that you and I could wear, but also as a lego building kit a, huh. a build, build yourself a pair of adidas sneakers and um it, you can do exactly that you can it, the designs are faithful to the to the shoe itself so gone from the footwear uh, striking a partnership with the with the with the with lego to lego then reversing that um with the latest what building block lego um, shoes, and it's interesting that you know you can decide whether you want to build a left foot or a right foot, and they've got the parts in the in the box of tricks for for either. And um, yeah, it's got the customary three stripes of Adidas. It's got the um, the heel tab, all there if you want to spend your your winter evenings making Lego models of Adidas sneakers. But I think it's brilliant. It generates a lot of what they call earned media, in other words, people talking about it online usually. As well, if you think about it, as nailing those kids' brand loyalty at a very completely, early stage. Completely, completely, it, it's genius. I mean, so much. I mean, so many, so much of the the sneaker brand loyalty is coming from um, sponsorship of football, for example. And Nike's dominant in that sort of space. And so, as Adidas, you've got to find a space where Nike isn't dominant. And so, this is incredibly, incredibly clever. Talk to me about on football. Um, UEFA, um, UEFA gets a, a big fat zero from you this week. What have they done wrong? I'm afraid they do. You know, I think earlier on in the season, they, they, they earned some sympathy for the, the Super League that was doing its best to, to put UEFA out of business. And they, they won that round. Um, and they were generally seem to be the, uh, the good guys on the white horse. But now, in the middle of the Euro Championships, um, they've really uh, done a bad thing. They, um, uh, the German uh, team captain uh, and goalkeeper, one Manuel Neuer, um, instead of his captain's armband, he wore uh, an armband of a different visual design, namely the colors of the rainbow or the LGBTI symbolism. 
And uh, this has been deemed an absolutely horrific political statement by the German goalkeeper. And consequently, um, heads must roll and we'll be speaking to the German Federal uh, German Football Association. And you know, everyone's getting very excited about it. They don't seem to realize that they're doing it in the same match where people will be uh, taking the knee. And if that's uh, more or less of a political statement rather than a support for the um, LGBTI community, I'd be really surprised. And um, I'm quite sure they'll be forced to retract by the level of, uh, of condemnation that's coming through on, on uh, Twitter and other online media. But I still think that uh, in the meantime, UEFA have just blundered into this through their own stupidity. Brands are measured not by what they say, but what they do. In this case, the brand behavior um, it really has uh, deserved UEFA a big fat zero. Did you see the the clip of Ronaldo pushing aside the Coke bottles and telling everybody to drink agua? I did, and I, I you know, he, he can afford to to uh, can. do this kind of thing that might cause problems elsewhere down the line. But yeah, I did see it and thought it was um, quite amusing. There were some figures quoted which seemed outrageous as to as to what that one gesture had done to the overall value of the Coca Cola Corporation. I mean, I can't believe that's anything other than hyperbole, but. Um, yeah, that, that, that's the power of, of, of the brand equity that lies within celebrity and fame. And, and I wonder if Coca-Cola is, I mean, from a brand perspective, is worse or better off. Yes, Ronaldo says don't drink Coca-Cola. That's fine. That's his prerogative. But there have been some lovely spoofs. One guy stashing two of the same format of Coke bottle behind his TV and then timing it perfectly. So when Ronaldo puts them off the screen, the funny guy grabs the bottles from behind the screen as if they've been handed to him. And then he goes, "Woo, thanks, buddy. And off he goes. Um, the spoofs almost uh, counteract Ronaldo's sort of principled stance on 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 this. It's it's quite funny how the internet balances things out a bit sometimes. Now you're getting quite close to a conspiracy theory that says it was Coca Cola's strategy. No, all along. no, not for a moment. But it's I love the way people <laughs> find uh, an opportunity uh, to take the Mickey out of out of situations, and they've done it well this time. Well, that's exactly the, the principle behind uh, branding and successful communications. It doesn't look like an ad. It, it looks like a piece of, of uh, enjoyment for a few seconds, a, a departure from this grey world we live in. It'd be all grey world, Andy. Uh, Andy, Andy Rice, we need to talk, Andy. Uh, Heroes and Zeros with Andy Rice on a Tuesday night.